Cincinnati, it's the first down rankings with John Lobb and Chris Moxley. We've gathered rankings from CFF experts from across the CFF landscape, and we're here to tell you the biggest takeaways from them. We'll cover all the positions as well as the biggest transfers and freshmen coming in. All this and more coming right after this. Looking to Jarrett Stearns, who makes the catch and scores. Pass, Trey Fodd Anderson. As advertised, touchdown, Buckeyes. This is Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. All right, welcome in everybody. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chasing Natty podcast. I hope you guys are having a wonderful, wonderful Sunday afternoon. Appreciate those who are tuning into the live stream right now. Uh, I have two wonderful, wonderful guests with me, one or both of which are always an honor to have on. But even specifically, we have almost the godfather of CFF on himself, Mr. John Lobb. John, I think you're trying to talk and I don't think they can hear you, sir. Oh, let me no, there see we go. if I'm... You're good now. Oh, there, no. I was actually talking to my daughter who was walking on the other side. So okay. <laughs> it's all good. We all have good. two dogs and family. So I just was trying to, you know, communicate the best I can. Thanks for having me on, gentlemen. It's a pleasure. You know how much I enjoy your podcasts and all your work. And, you know, this is the fifth year I've done the first down article for Fantrax which is it's springtime. We're all enjoying the spring practices, you know, the games at the end of the two or three weeks. And I like to get an early look at rankings just as a teaser, you know, so I bring together um, four other people and myself to do their top 12. And both of you gentlemen were kind enough to join me. So we have a consensus ranking of five CFF experts just to kind of get an early look. Of course, rankings change from now until, you know, throughout the process. Actually, we're going to probably talk about some rankings that have changed within the last three weeks since we posted them. Um, But I just wanted to get the viewers an opportunity to start thinking about the upcoming season. And there are best ball leagues going on right now. I know people are drafting. There's early mock drafts. So we have that. And please go to Campus the Canton. They have player rankings. We're only doing the top 12 here right now. Campus Canton, I think you guys have like over 70 at every position, except for maybe tight end. I could be wrong. We have have, (laughs) have 60 at quarterback, 72 at wide receiver and running back, and then 36 tight ends each. So go to Campus the Canton so you get a much deeper in-depth analysis of the rankings. We're here to tease you and get you ready for the upcoming season. And this is a great opportunity to do a video for everyone. Oh, yeah. And again, like I said, John, it is always an honor to have to be able to make some time for you to come on. And it was especially an honor when you reached out to me and you said, hey, I want to like promote like your work. And your work has been like the gold standard for CFF oh. stuff the last Thank couple of, for the last like decade. And like you said, you want to promote your work on my show and like, Having just started the show just a year ago, like I'm like blushing over here. I'm like I'm, I'm humbled. <laughs> so 
but I really appreciate you coming on, John. Chris, you are also here as well, so why don't you tell the folks who haven't really tuned into the last couple of shows you've been on what you have been working on, sir. I think we're kind of all in the same boat. We're uh, grinding away on the CFF stuff for this upcoming season. You know, there's a lot happening as teams are going into spring. So it's a lot of information to pay attention to when you consider there's 131 <laughs> um, FBS teams. So it, it is a grind in itself and I'm, I'm really enjoying it. And I'm excited to be on with, with both y'all. Cause you know, I, I've learned incredible amount from, from each of y'all. And so I'm, I'm just glad to be able to chop it up. Yeah, absolutely. And like, like John and Chris have both alluded to here a little bit, um, campuscanton.com we got a ton of great stuff over there for you guys um chris and i are just both part of the same are both part of the team over there along with nate marquise and brandon sanders we're constantly trying to put out information for you guys me and nate have put together a couple of spring uh game reports that we put up on youtube i am starting to put out my transfer portal report each week nate has his stock up and stock down chris you are constantly putting out articles on strategy talking about guys that you can get late in drafts that you think are very valuable so you got some awesome stuff over there brandon has his new future freshman podcast very very good for those of you who are really big into cff dynasty he's really diving deep into some of these freshmen that can probably get some work here in just the first year so absolutely tune into all of those things but again there's an entire lineup for c to c on mondays you have us chasing the natty we are usually there for you guys monday mornings uh tuesdays you got campus life with austin nace and colin decker on the podcast side of things wednesday you got chris's show along with uh felix sharp matt bruning and austin nace with debbie debate live streamed on youtube at 9 30 eastern time every wednesday night thursdays you got canton bound with austin nace and colin decker on the podcast side of things There's also a YouTube exclusive show with the official with Alfred Fernandez, Matt Powell, and David Nipple on YouTube talking about recruiting analytics. And then Fridays, like I mentioned before, you have the Future Freshman Podcast with Brandon Sanders on YouTube and on podcasts. And then we have a couple of daily podcasts that are going right now. You got the Daily Draft Report with Dwight Peebles. And Matt Bruni has done an incredible, incredible job keeping up with the spring reports. It's a nightly listen to me to make sure I don't miss anything big. Absolutely check that out like i said campus again things have been growing over here it's been absolutely fantastic and we're excited to bring to you guys all the content that we can bring but even still john you are the star of the show from this point forward sir we are going to get into your first down rankings let me fix your face here for a second <laughs> i need more help than what you can do on the computer screen <laughs> There we go. Now there we go. John, now I'm not looking at John's just his left eye. All righty. So John, again, you are you I'm going to let you start presenting here again just kind of reiterate what the first down rankings are and everything. Things that you're that you're working on with this and just kind of the overall feel of CFF going into 2022. What have you kind of noticed? So I wanted to start this article cuz I think for people who are not familiar with college fantasy football they do get a little intimidated by all of the teams out there. And there are ways to learn these players and not feel overwhelmed. So the first down article, you know, we're in March, spring football here. It is to give a taste to the newbies out there or people want to play a campus to Canton league for the first time, but they don't want to delve into quarterback number 80 right away. So this is a great opportunity to dip your toes in. 
and say, hey, who are the 12 best quarterbacks in college fantasy football, according to the experts? I have my rankings, but I like multiple perspectives on nearly everything that I do. So I like consensus rankings and I like to look at where am I too high, too low, or maybe I find value in rankings. If I like a player that I have ranked significantly higher, that means I can probably acquire him in a draft later. So I'm a big fan of consensus rankings. So I brought four great people on board with me. And what we're going to do today is look at the consensus rankings. And Jared and Chris, both on campus to Canton, they have consensus rankings there, or you can sort by Jared's or Chris's personal rankings. So you can go on there right now. This is to get you to go to what? I said mine are the best. Ah, this is for all of our viewers to go to campus to Canton now and see what other people think about the rankings. But I do think it is a great place to start at the top of the board. I mean, Jared mentioned it. I've been doing this for 14 years now. I remember I used to delve into player rankings with like the Sporting News Magazine and Lindy's Magazine and trying to figure out who the quarterbacks are on the All-American preseason and conference teams. Well, it is so much easier now with your great new website People can jump in right away. So I want to let's look today. We're going to look at the top 12 quarterback rankings first, my friends. And these are neither necessarily mine, Jared's, or Chris's. They are the combination of all of five. And we're going to discuss what we like, what we don't like, who who were too high, who were too low on. Absolutely. Very excited to jump into this. And before we go any further, I do want to give a shout out to the other two experts that could not join us here today. Um, but I want to make sure that they get their due here. You got uh, CFF Insiders. They were able to come in and provide their top 12 rankings. So absolutely go check out their work on their website. And then also Mr. Nicholas Ian Allen over at CFB Winning Edge. The go-to spreadsheets for me in terms of if I want to dive into information that I feel like I can't find anywhere else regarding rosters, regarding um, play like player values, whether... Uh, years of eligibility left he is my go-to place for that so absolutely check out his work over on his patreon absolutely worth the five bucks a month over there so please check him out chris do you have any thoughts you want to give before we dive deep into these rankings sir no i i was just happy to be included among that group i mean there are some really smart people there so i was excited that john asked and uh i'm ready to i'm ready to prove why i actually have the best rankings so (laughs) all righty Let's like, like John mentioned, we're going to go ahead and get right into quarterbacks. So, John, I'll let you present the top 12 quarterbacks here. Sure. I love to work backwards whenever I do rankings. And there was a tie at number 12, Tanner Mordecai from SNU, SMU and Grayson McCall from Coastal Carolina. They're our number 12. And in parentheses are the points that the player received. I, we go backwards. If you're in first, you get 12 points. If you're in last, you get a point. And they each had five Then we have transfer Jackson Dart at Mississippi. Number 10 is one of my personal favorites, Dylan Gabriel, who I've been able to love watching him play at UCF. But another transfer who ends up at Oklahoma this year. And gentlemen, we haven't talked about it. I love the transfer portable for so many reasons, but it makes our game and our our jobs and our hobby even more important. 
because not everyone is paying as much attention as we do on a normal basis. The casual fan may not know all these players who have changed programs. So I love the fact that we have this as analysts to watch over. Then Brennan Armstrong, a lot of different perspectives on Brennan Armstrong, but he does get into the top 10 at number nine. Will Rogers, Mississippi State. Hey, Mike Leach, quarterback, you know what you're going to get. The numbers are solid. He's there at number nine. Quinn Ewers of Texas, different opinions on him. Um, Young man who has not thrown a pass yet in college, but he has the opportunity at Texas. Sam Hartman, what a great season. What a great story the Demon Deacons were. Sam Hartman was terrific last year. He's number six. Malik Cunningham. He's going to be one of those people we debate and we look at, I think, all summer long. I've seen him all over the board, many different opinions, but he comes in at number five on our consensus rankings. Caleb Williams follows Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma over to USC. He's our number four. My, I just, I'm going to be unabashful about how much I like this player in this system. Hendon Hooker. Ooh, his numbers in a Josh Heupel offense, give them to me all day long. He's number three in our rankings. The Heisman winner, Bryce Young, is number two, which is somewhat shocking how great he was. But we have this Ohio State Buckeye team that is loaded. And number one, with I, I don't think this has happened in the four years. Consensus number one quarterback, 60 points. All five um, experts put him at the top. CJ Stroud. Yeah, there's a lot there's a lot really to break down here and to me CJ Stroud and Bryce Young even among players who are like in Devi and see the C circles and everything like have quickly become like those top 2 quarterbacks that people have keyed in on and they think are like that next round of clear first round quarterbacks a year away from the draft. Like they they don't see in a way that Stroud or Young, unless they have just abysmal seasons for some reason this next year, which I don't think they have at Alabama or Ohio State, they are the, those next two that teams in the NFL are going to be tanking for next year. So it doesn't come as a surprise when people say, like, all right, you got incredibly talented quarterbacks in very productive systems for the past couple of years. There are top two guys. And I don't, again, I don't blame people whatsoever for that. So I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, a couple, there's definitely some names here that like I are consensus too high for me, but we'll get into that in a, in a little bit here. Chris, I want to get your overall thoughts on this quarterback class or th- these top 12 quarterbacks here. Yeah, there I think is a pretty good consensus overall among all of us. You know, I think we all have almost all the same players in our top 12 or it's, or it's pretty dang close, but there's a lot of variation among where we have each other. And, and so I'm really interested to see where the conversation and throughout the offseason goes with a guy like Queen Ewers, who, you know, I really like. Uh, I think we all have him top seven. So um, he's interesting. And we're seeing a lot of transfers in here, like Caleb Williams is in here. You know, I have Cameron Ward in here. Uh, it, it's a really interesting class. And I'm not sure there's that much separating them after we get out of the top three who – you know, I think I think Hooker is that third quarterback, and I think you know he's he's ranked here uh, on the composite points. But it's an interesting class, and there's not a lot of consensus. One thing that we kind of mentioned last week when we did our QB summit, uh, when it came to our rankings, was just the lack of rushers in the top twelve. 
This is like like Malik Cunningham really here is the only one that we would look at and say like his value comes from his legs. Like you guys, you have guys here who can rush. Like Dylan Gabriel can rush. Sam McCall can rush, or Sam McCall, uh, Grayson McCall can rush. Uh, Hartman can have, has a little bit of a rushing ability, but like CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, Hendon Hooker, a lot of these guys are like they're gonna find value through their arms. Quinn Ewers definitely, Will Rogers definitely, and you know, Mike Leach is <laughs> yeah, Will Rogers. <laughs> hey, that's all he's gonna find his value in. But it's good, good thing they pass fifty times a game. Um, but like that, that to me, I think Chris, I'm gonna credit you. I think you brought that up last week. Where I, I think that's what really separates this year from uh, pre- previous years. Like usually, it's the the rushing quarterback is the cheat code. You go for the rushing QBs. And I th- and I kind of attributed to this next tier below. We talked about how the second tier quarterbacks feels very large. Like you can wait on the second quarterback. And I think part of that is because in the next tier, that's when you start seeing a lot more rushing QBs. Um, John, what do you think overall about that? Well, you just brought up a point, and I I'll, I have two points now that you what you just mentioned. You know, for those who played a long time, we don't have any of these triple option quarterbacks like Keenan Reynolds, who are at the very top of the rankings. I mean, Keenan Reynolds was fantasy gold, you know, with the three or four touchdowns every week, 100 yards rushing for Navy. And either Army, Navy, Air Force, there's nice quarterbacks, but they haven't been healthy. You know, Reynolds was so good. And then there's there isn't other than – Cunningham, there's no like Lamar Jackson or someone who I can pencil in for 800 yards. I would still say we're probably going to end up with three quarterbacks over 800 yards by the end of the year. We just don't necessarily know who they are. And usually you can pinpoint or identify those players by now. And my other point, you've got, if you're playing CFS, it's not NFL. You have to be comfortable making projections on players you've never seen. In the NFL, when you're doing your top 10, you're going to pencil in players who you've seen most of the time for two years or more. Like we know what Patrick Mahomes, maybe he takes a little slip without Tyreek Hill, but we know what Patrick Mahomes is going to be in the NFL. College fantasy football, you have to be comfortable with Jackson Dart. We, we saw him a little bit at USC, but he hasn't even made it through a full season. And now you add in the new wrinkle of the transfer portal where you have to be comfortable and willing to, you know, select a player like you, yours at Texas. And I mean, Chris mentioned it. I'm banking on the coaching and the scheme. I like the talent, but we haven't seen it at the college level. But yes, coming out, he was a top prospect. We all liked him. But you have to be comfortable and get used to the idea, I'm going to select a player who I have not seen perform at the highest levels. I mean, now that's why Stroud and that's why Bryce Young are so high, right? We've seen them excel in amazing offensive systems. But there's lots of players. You go to campus to Canton, what, maybe out of the top 50, there's 15 quarterbacks who we really haven't seen too much of. Yep. And we know they're going to make an impact this year. You have to be comfortable with that. Absolutely. Uh, so, John, one thing you wanted to do with us um, 
with each of these rankings, you, you, it seemed like you wanted us to kind of identify some guys that we think are too high in these consensus rankings and maybe some, uh, a player who is too low. So that's what we're going to do here. We're each going to go around and you t each of you tell me one player you think out of these 12 that you think is too high. And you can say one player you think is too low. And that includes players that aren't in the top 12 here. So that like it doesn't have to be somebody who's like oh they're ranked at 12 but i think they should be at like seven no you can go even deeper than that mention a name that's not mentioned here so chris why don't we start with you so a player that i think is too low is the i i have in the top 12 but nobody else does and that's quarterback cameron ward at washington state i think he should be a consensus top 12 guy and I, I really believe that this is the best shot that anybody can take this season on a 2022 version of Western Kentucky that we saw last season. So Washington State is bringing in Eric Morris and Cameron Ward. Eric Morris was the head coach at Incarnate Ward. Cameron Ward was the quarterback. Last season, ICW, Incarnate Ward, ran 2.73 plays per minute. That would have been the fourth fastest pace of any team in the FBS, their 597 pass attempts would have ranked third nationally. That is the type of team and the type of system that you're going to see implemented at Washington State. And they have pretty good wide receivers. I like Deshaun Stribling. I like Donovan Ollie. Renard Bell is, he, he's injured, but I still think he's a quality player. Victor Lincoln is stepping up in his absence and, and apparently looks really good. This offense has the potential to go nuclear and I have a really tough time keeping Ward outside of my top 12. It's so somebody that I think is going to be much. I think we might look back and say, why did we not have him top 10? Why do we not have him top five, given the offense that we're going to have? Um, Makes you feel better, Chris. A... I have him as uh, QB 13. All right. All right. That's fair. Do you want me to give a uh, player I'm too high on as well? Uh, player player that's that... too, that is too high. Yes, player that is too high here. Um, I'm a little bit concerned about, I don't know where I would have him necessarily, but I am a little bit concerned about Sam Hartman. I have him quarterback eight and he's the consensus six here. He was really productive with rushing touchdowns last season. And, you know, I, 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 I think Jared, Jared has done as well, uh, run aggression model and how many touchdowns we think players should have scored and Hartman overperformed that in that metric in terms of rushing touchdowns by like three, four, five, depending on like exactly how you look at it. I thought it was like seven. Yeah. So, so yes, it was seven. If you then take away the sacks. Okay. So yes, exactly where I was getting to. Like it, it's one thing to have him be like not a productive Russian quarterback, but then when you take away the sacks, he's actually really like massively overperformed. So I'm very concerned about Sam Hartman in uh, having that same ceiling in 2022. I think that he's a top 12 quarterback. I still have him quarterback eight, but I don't think there's a chance that he, like, I, I, I'm very skeptical that he breaks the top five. And I've seen him be, I've seen him ranked in the top five, and I think that's just a little too much. So that's not like a hot take, but I do think it's, there's regression coming for him. All righty, John, you, you have looked at these rankings. You have poured over them for several hours in order to put <laughs> these together. So which, you, you have stared at these a long time. You tell me which ones still stick out to you after all that work. Well, gentlemen, you, uh, we're all in the same boat. I have um, Cameron Ward at 14. 
And I just took a deeper dive into him this week. And oh, he does have that ceiling. I mean, if you're if he's your second quarterback, and you can get oh, him there right now. I mean, that that is because if if you were somehow able to get CJ Stroud and you are really looking to just hit the massive grand slam, like Ward is that type of player where you could be getting 60 points every week out of your two quarterbacks. So I like him. I took a deeper dive. Not sure if I'm willing to put him in the top 12 yet, only because I've seen players fail going from FCS to the FBS. And I agree. Bailey Zappi was, how many leagues did he win, you know, late in the draft? But there are players who aren't successful. So that's why I don't have him in the top 12. I think he's the perfect number two. You could take it as a number one, but I do like him very, very much. So I'm just going to say, I'm obviously way higher on Quinn Ewers than everyone else. Yes. Look at Texas is loaded. Texas is, I mean, seriously, now that you have a sophomore, um, Xavier Worthy, Bijan Robinson, and um, Isaiah, oh, who's the other wide receiver transfer that they, what? Isaiah Nayor. Isaiah Nayor. And you know they have another wide receiver on that depth chart who will be, you know, efficient enough. They brought in offensive linemen. I mean, that's all they've been talking about is he's got to improve the defense and the offensive linemen. If that offensive line takes an uptick, (laughs) just be a little bit better, like maybe be 60 best in the nation. Ewers is in a grand slam. And when I'm looking for this in CFF, I go for ceiling. I see a ceiling there of 35 to 45 touchdowns throwing, and he could easily have five touchdowns rushing. I mean, the RPOs of B. John Robinson are going to be a major problem at the goal line for opponents. So I'm very high on him. So I, those are the two that I'd be looking at. And I, I'll say one other quick one. I think Grayson McCall, I don't know why people don't like him. We were talking about lack of rushing. He does have 600-yard rushing upside. He could have 35 total touchdowns very easily. I think he's getting overlooked. That's just my opinion this early in the process. I'm not the biggest Grayson McCall fan in the world, but I'll, I'll, I'll talk about your Quinn Ewers talking everything. The, the big thing I can, I'm thinking about is I, I just keep thinking of that 2020 Alabama offense oh. that Sarkeesian ran. And if he can do that with Mac Jones... And again, I like obviously Mac Jones is an NFL quarterback now, so like I think a lot of that has to do with the situation that Sarkeesian put him in. He can do that with Mac Jones. God knows what he can do with uh, Quinn Ewers, cool. Bijan Robinson, Xavier Worthy, and Isaiah Nayor. Like that is like I think he's finally put together the true offense that he's been looking to put together since he got to Texas. He thought he could do it with Casey Thompson. Thought he could do it with Hudson Card. He was not shy about the idea that he's a little disappointed by what he was getting out of Casey Thompson and Hudson Card last year. I think he's finally got his guy, and that, you're right, that offense is another one that could absolutely just go nuclear this year. In terms oh, and by of- the way, I don't believe any of the Hudson Carr talk. I just agree. Stop. I don't, I, no, I agree. <laughs> like, that's just coach speak. Well, like, he is not playing Hudson Carr. <laughs> no, again, we, we saw him bench Hudson Carr several times last year. Like, he is, he's, no, he's just making sure that he has a solid backup option if Quinn Ewers ever goes yes. down. Um, yes, yes. 
Now, in terms of guys I'm, I, I think are too low here in these consensus rankings, um, Nate's going to Nate's gonna love me for this one, but I'm going to put in Garrett Schrader here for Syracuse. Upgraded offensive coordinator. Um, we got uh, Annette, Robert Rene, the offensive coordinator from uh, Virginia, coming over. A guy who is used to using or used to using offenses in creative ways with unique offensive weapons. You get Garrett Schrader, who has a rushing ability that is higher than I, I think. John, you're talking about guys. We're going to get three that are plus 800 yards rushing. Garrett Schrader is going to be one of those guys. Oh and yes. He's going to be one of those guys. You got Sean Tucker there. And yeah, some people might be a little afraid of Sean Tucker like losing out because of um, the new like or more pass-heavy offense. But Sean Tucker's a great receiving back. He can absolutely be used in this offense in a way like that. And that's only going to benefit Garrett Schrader, who I don't love his passing. But if you give him short passing opportunities to the running back out of the backfield and just let Sean Tucker do his thing, and Garrett Schrader's back there just soaking up the passing points, give me that all day long. Love Garrett Schrader here in terms of guys that i'm not as high on as these consensus rankings brendan armstrong scares me uh mostly because you're going from Bronco mendenhall and robert renee to um tony elliott who was the architect of that wonderful wonderful clemson offense last year um so that scares me a little bit there another guy i again we talked about him at length last week but again all the concerns we that chris mentioned about sam hartman i have even bigger concerns with malik cunningham Dude's not scoring 20 rushing touchdowns again this year. And when you take away half of his, or when you take away the regression amount of touchdowns, which I think was like, he overperformed by like 9.18 touchdowns, rushing touchdowns last year. Take that away. Suddenly he's in the back half of the QB1 range. So he's going a little too high for my taste right now. So those are kind of the guys that I'm a little bit uh, lower on than the consensus. And I think, John, you and I's ranking of Malik Cunningham is probably driving it down. Uh, yeah, in these consensus I was a little rankings. lower than... Because, yeah, it was a little lower than consensus. Because he, um, otherwise, I think he'd be a top three quarterback in these consensus rankings. Otherwise, I just don't think he can do that many rushing touchdowns again. I mean, no, I he could take an uptick in passing. And Desmond Ritter did it, which is unbelievable, really, what Desmond Ritter did from like a statistical. He, he came much less rushing, but he threw so many more. Passing, but I just don't know if Malik Cunningham and Louisville has the receivers and the team to do that. So I, I, I have them at what number eight. So I feel okay. I mean, I would have no problem as my number one, but I'm not going to reach for him. I agree 100%. And uh, you mentioned like going from pass or like losing a bit on the ground and go and getting some more in passing. I think that's exactly what's going to happen with Sam Hartman. Uh, I think they like they're bringing back even better, even more pieces to their passing attack. I think they're going to be one of the best passing teams in the country next year. So I expect him to score some more touchdowns to the air and kind of make up for some of that loss on the ground for Sam Hartman. All right, let's go ahead and move on to these running backs. So once again, John, I'm going to let you kind of run down the consensus rankings here, and then we'll get started on what we feel about this kind of stuff. All right, love to start at the bottom. Jordan Mims of Fresno State. If people who were watching last year, obviously Ronnie Rivers last summer was the player that we were looking for. But by the end of the year, Jordan Mims was playing pretty good football for Fresno State. And I think the, 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 the consensus is that he's going to have a major impact. And I think he's a nice value. And that's a good offense. I mean, it, it has it's changing. We know there'll be some differences. But I still think Fresno State should put points on the board. And Jordan Mims' touches and opportunities should be there for him. So he's tied 
And I like this player and I get it. There's all different types of opinions and we've not seen at the college level. And, and I, I, there's some people are really concerned about Zach Evans going over to Mississippi. I look back when he had Devin Singletary, Lane Kiffin, he used them. There's no guarantee that he's going to use Zach Evans in that manner here. I get it. But I do think Lane Kiffin is smart enough to get his best player touches, either in the passing game or in the running game. I like Zach Evans. He's tied at number 12. Number 11, he's also, you know, we'll see a lot more difference in the running backs than we saw at the quarterback position. Will Shipley's coming in. I really thought, considering how awful that Clemson offense was last year, I mean, there were games at the end. How bad was it to see the Tigers go one, two, and three punts, like on a normal basis in the second half of the season? They were, and Will Shipley, he was basically the offense. I mean, at the end of the year, could you count on anyone on Clemson other than Will Shipley? So he comes in at number 11, like him a lot. Zach Charbonnet, he might be in for a monster season. I mean, Brian Kelly here, UCLA, he wants that draft stock. And I, I wish I could have the numbers. Like, players who are on the fringe of being a top three running back, what, how do they do the year they come back? Like, is that a motivating factor? You know, Zach Charbonnet could be in the conversation in top five next year. It's a deep running back class. But he really needs to come through to not get lost. Because if he doesn't come through, Charbonnet is going to fall deep down. I mean, like, there's a wide range of outcomes for him as a professional draft pick. So I think he's motivated to do extraordinarily well. Tavian Thomas, oh, who didn't like him last year? He was just amazing at Utah, right system. They're going to run the football. They're go- they play in the Pac-12, and I think, what do you call it, Jared, the JV of um, college football or something out there? You, you I know, got, okay, there's this idea out there that I hate the Pac-12 <laughs> now. And, like, all I said was that the SEC plays better defense than the Pac-12. Like, Well, that is true. That's just a factual truth. Like, and, and all, <laughs> it got turned into this whole thing where, like, I just hate the Pac-12 now. I love Pac-12. I love the Pac-12 after dog. I love that they don't play defense over there. Because, yeah, oh, because <laughs> there's so many fantasy, points. we are loving it. Um, so Thomas is in a great spot to succeed. I'm going to talk about Sean Tucker later, but he comes in eighth on our consensus rankings now. Lou Nichols. You got to learn new, new, this, these are the types of players I love for college fantasy football. I don't think he's an NFL draft prospect. He is a great, great college football running back. These are the players. If you love this hobby, he is a type of young man. He's going to smash at central Michigan, but he, and some people are going to say he's an NFL prospect. I don't think he is. You know, like he'll get that sneaker type label late in the draft process if he comes out. I don't think he's an NFL prospect, but the numbers will be tempting for people. Love him here. Number six, Rasheen Ali. Hey, that's a nice ranking for a freshman running back. He's entering his sophomore year at Marshall. What do you get? 19 points in our rankings. A very fascinating player, Braylon Allen. He's all over the board. 
many different rankings on Braylon Allen. This is all I know. I've been buying Wisconsin running backs and college fantasy football for 14 years. I ain't stopping now with a 17-year-old that just dominated college football. Sorry. I mean, if he, if he doesn't come through, I will lose on system any day of the – if it happens, it happens. But I'm not – I mean, this young man at 17 in the Big Ten was just silly in a perfect offense. Jameer Gibbs. I mean, can we get any more yummy? I mean, this is just Alabama pass catching. We don't know how many receivers. We don't know. I like Jermaine Burton too, but what is the depth on the offense? Saban knows what he's doing. He got Jameer Gibbs from Georgia Tech, who's at over 1,900 yards from scrimmage. His first two years for the Yellow Jackets coming in just amazing. Deuce Vaughn, I think Chris, don't you have Deuce Vaughn number one? I think Chris was the highest on Deuce Vaughn. Man, I love watching Deuce Vaughn. He's one of my favorite players in college football. Just simply amazing. But I think he's 5'10", a buck 70. I mean, he is just such an amazing player. But I just don't see NFL athlete on him. But boy, at the college level, he's amazing. Trevion Henderson. If he was coming out in this draft class, he might challenge B. John Robinson as a top draft prospect. I'm all in on Travion Henderson. He even exceeded my expectations last year. I didn't expect him to get that many touches so soon at Ohio State, but he did, and he hit a grand slam. And then number one, B. John Robinson, go get him. He, but two people had him. He, he did not get consensus. He's number, he had 58 points out of a possible 60. Ha, there's Mr. Moxley. Um, but, but you're not the only one. One other person had Bijan at number two. Um, I think I'd have to look that up. But he got 58 points. And that's our top 12 running backs for this year, everyone. So the first thing that really stands out to me about this top 12 is there is a big tier break in the top six. Those top six, oh, yeah. Bijan, Travion, Deuce, Jameer Gibbs, or Jameer Gibbs out of Alabama at the very least, Braylon Allen, Rasheen Ali, boom. I don't see how any of those six miss. I, there, they, there is no miss potential there outside of injury for the most part. You grab one of those guys, you, you take them and you run. You're good. You, you yeah. take, them, take them without a second thought in the first round. After that, that's when you start seeing more questions. Lou Nichols. Loved him last year, but again, it's the Mac. You once you play against non-cons, especially Power Five non-cons, suddenly you can't play him anymore. And then also Kobe Lewis come back. You have no clue. Sean Tucker, like I said earlier, offensive coordinator change. That offensive coordinator is not a run-heavy guy. How is he affected there? Tavion Thomas. There's questions about whether or not he'll be able to hold, like, monopolize that backfield like he did last year. Uh, Zach Charbonnet, kind of the same thing. Are they going to bring in another running back to pair with him? Will Shipley. Kobe Pace is still there. Uh, Jordan Mims. Um, I'll be right. I really like Jordan Mims. I don't see how he misses either. But even so, like, we we ha- we have a lot of like <laughs> like there's questions about like is he going to like in the games where he started he got like 30 um, touches, but Ronnie Williams or Ronnie Williams Ronnie Rivers when he was his main guy wasn't getting that number of touches. So is that something we should expect for Jordan Mims kind of coming back down a little bit? And then I'll go ahead and get into my guy here that's way too high. Get Zach Evans out of here. 
Get <laughs> Zach Evans out of here. They brought in Ulysses Bentley for a reason. Not that I'm going to say that Zach Evans is now another RB2 for some reason, but they clearly aren't comfortable with the idea of just riding him into the dirt. And Zach Evans himself has said he doesn't want to be a ride-or-die kind of guy for an offense. He wants to have tread left on the tires for the NFL. They are not going to they're not going to be giving him 20 25 carries every single game. Ulysses Bentley was brought in there for a reason, take some of that load off of him. And honestly, Ulysses Bentley is a better receiving back than Zach Evans is, so I'm interested to see I agree with if, that. I, he, I do agree with that. If he kind of takes away that potential that Zach Evans would have gotten there. So, Zach Evans if he's going in the top 12, he's current yeah, he's RB12 in my ADP right now, like t- like very beginning of the third round. Absolutely not. I am taking so many guys ahead of him there. He would have been mine as well. Um, and hindsight is probably a hell of a drug considering this was done before the Bentley thing. And so, you know, I wonder if, if we adjust after that, but I do think Evans has a little bit of risk. Um, I don't know what that offense is going to look like. And I think it's still going to be efficient because it's Lane Kiffin, but I, I think there is a small risk that it takes a step back. And I think that hurts everyone because jerry and ely had some big flash games last year but they were against teams like liberty or teams that they were like really blowing out i just wonder if in conference play you can't really leverage the running backs all all that much so i'm a little i'm a little skeptical of zach evans um but you know i so i'll i'll group these two together and just say hey i have a healthy level of skepticism as well because of touchdown regression and that's tavion thomas and rasheen ali both scored over 10 touchdowns more than expected. Oh, that is a, that is a scary number. That's not a good number. Not nope. a good number. And, and so, you know, I, I've already kind of said my piece in Rasheen Ali in different places. You know, I, I think that he is someone who I think will regress more. So I have him seventh and I think I'm the lowest of anybody here, but I'm going to be moving Tavion Thomas down. Um, I have him 10. I'll probably keep him outside the top 12. I just I have a lot of concern about what, he's going to do in terms of touchdown regression. So he he's about someone I'm a little concerned about one guy that I am moving up and he's ranked 10th for us here. And I, I will admit that I was too low is Zach Charbonnet. I think Charbonnet should be really close to the tier of, I don't want to say like can't fail, but he's, he's pretty close. I mean, he's going to dominate that backfield. There's no Britain Brown. I think that he's the perfect situation. I think we're going to see a healthier, Dorian Thompson Robinson, and we're going to see a better overall offense than we've seen recently. Um, just as all the pieces are starting to gel together, I think UCLA could be a really solid, sneaky team this year. I think I'm going to be moving Zach Charbonnet up. And I think at 10, 10 is okay, but I think I could make the case for him over Tavion Thomas, Sean Tucker, and Lou Nichols. I'm going to throw one thing out here real quick before, John, you get to your guys. Uh, UCLA strikes me as like a transfer destination. Because again, you're yeah, losing, they, they you're probably losing need Britton Brown. And so like, I'm going to be more interested in Zach Charbonnet if we get through the second round of transfers that are going to come after spring and they still haven't added another running back. Then I'm going to be moving Zach Charbonnet up. And again, that, that kind of goes against something I said on the summit earlier where it's like you have to work with the information you have, not the information you think is going to happen. And I still abide by that. But it's still like, it, to me, UCLA almost has like a giant like glowing Vegas sign above them saying like, hey, RBs, like, you should come here. Like we need depth. Yeah. So that's that's the only thing I'm a little bit worried about. But again, 
I talked about earlier on the, on the show where like I have some guys where it's like every week I don't hear something good. They're like dropping in my rankings a little bit. Guys like Mohamed Ibrahim, uh, guys like um, or some other or Dante Dimas is another one. Like every week I don't hear something good. They kind of drop in my rankings just a little bit. Zach Charbonnet, every week that I don't hear uh, that they're looking to add another running back there and everything, I'm just going to probably keep him going up. He'll probably enter that uh, near top tier for me. So, John, who are your guys that you're looking at here that are saying too low, too high? I'll tell you a player who I think I'm going to have a lot of because I seem to think that the industry is concerned, and I get it that the offense is changing. I'm going to be scooping up Sean Tucker a ton. I can just I can just tell you already he's going to be sitting there in the second round and I'm just going to I'm not going to be able to pass Sean Tucker. I'm now seeing NFL draft buzz in the Debbie community. People are reporting his 40 time. I think I I read a 441 and I do believe he's listed at over 200 pounds and I know there's people who question, you know, is he over 200? I mean, we're going to find that type of thing out at the combine, you know, so the weight and the height will get there. Does he look a little thin? Sure. But, you know, size can be deceiving on film. I, I, I wait till we get the official weight. But, man, he is so good. And it's funny because Jared invited me to a the first, I think it was the first CFF mock draft. And at the time I had some time, so I was able to jump in. And it's funny how fast things can change. In that draft, I took Sean Tucker in the first round and Jameer Gibbs in the second round. You cannot get Jameer Gibbs in the second round anymore. Oh, no. Like, it's, it's just he's going off the board top eight from what I can see everywhere now. So I would love to go still and get Jameer Gibbs and Sean Tucker as my duo in my backfield, but I'm never going to be able to do it how I did earlier in the year. So I – look, is there a touchdown regression? Yes. But I'll say, and Jared hinted at it, I think it was Jared, he's a much better pass catcher than people give him credit for. Sean Tucker's good. He's an NFL-level pass catcher. He has, when you get him in space and you get him on the edges, Sean Tucker's great. So maybe goal line touches aren't there. Maybe Garrett Schrader takes more goal line the way they call the offense. I get that. But maybe he gets a significant uptick in pass catches, dump-offs. I mean, maybe the touches are there and maybe get in point. I think point in PPR leagues, I think Tucker has even more opportunity to do well on Evans. I also published my rankings second down and I dropped Evans from eight to 11 because I'm a Bentley guy. Anyone who's listened to me, I am a little worried that Bentley's going to get more touches than when it was just Zach Evans at the top of the board. Going to watch that very closely, but he has slipped as the news comes in. You know, but we're doing from our summit. This was, I think we did first down about a month ago, right? Maybe three weeks ago we put in, we put in the ranking. So I agree with you there. But one player that I'm just going to bring up, and I, and this is about system. I'm I Jahi, I'm I might be pronouncing his name wrong. Jai Real Brock of Iowa State. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. My friends, I did a deep, I don't, it's Iowa State. They're going to run the football. They're going to run the football. I'm not saying he's an NFL level prospect, but I think he might get 250 touches. He's the best guy in the depth chart. He's a little older, I get it. But they made David Montgomery and Brees Hall complete studs. And he's coming at a nothing 
ADP value, right? I mean, the home run upside of that young man, he had over 400 yards rushing last year, and he's a big boy. I looked him up. I think he's like 220 pounds. I, I don't know. I think in that system, no coaching change, same scheme, Big 12. I mean, this is the plug-and-play guy. I mean, he's a four-star recruit. He's been sitting behind Brees Hall, you know, possible first-round pick in the NFL, definitely a second-round pick. I love that guy. I'll take him as my third or fourth running back. And if you hit a grand slam – Oh my God, it's a no-brainer. I, I I have him at number 31, and, and I seem to be way higher on him than most. So Brock is currently going as the RB36, uh, which I will take him there okay. a thousand times out of a thousand times. And John, you have him at 31. Uh, we just talked about yeah. him over on the, the RB ranking summit uh, about an hour ago. I have him as RB20. Oh. I, I had him as RB17. I moved him down just a little bit, but he's now my RB20. Hey. Look, if you get him as your third running back, that is Oh, I feel great. No, and I I talked about this where, like, RB is the position I hate drafting late. And, like, I've done several mock drafts this year already. And, like, I always feel super uncomfortable drafting running back late. Like, if I don't have a good running back room, I feel stuck when I get into the later parts. Jirel Brock has become my go-to man to rely on when it comes to those later rounds. Because I'm like, all right. Jairo Brock, is he, is he, is he, I'm, I'm struggling at running back here. Is Jairo Brock available? I'm going to take him. Yeah. Every time. Every time. I agree with you, Jared. The upside, the, the, what you could get 1,500 yards from the line of scrimmage and 12 touchdowns is such a foreseeable future for him this year. I mean, it's, it's reasonable. It's reasonable to expect that. Look at the system. Chris, you got a smirk on your face. Go ahead, man. No, we, like Jared said, we just talked about, him and I have him at RB 58. I'm very skeptical of, <laughs> I have, I'm very skeptical of the uh, Iowa state offensive line this season. The play was really bad. And I think Jim, that Jim Gibbs, Brees Hall elevated himself above it. I'm not yes. sure Brock is that type of play. And so that's the hesitation that I have, but I, I'm, I'm probably going to move him up. A little bit. I, I have been, I have been coasting to it now that y'all are both on him. <laughs> I mean, it's, just, it's a potential for <laughs> we'll know more too in August, right? I mean, we'll yeah, get to me more the, information. To me, the worst case scenario, as far as I could tell, is Brees Hall's first year where Brees Hall finished would would in a like an RB forty range. In yeah. which case, I would I would still I would feel a little bit bad because I draft I would I'm drafting Brock as like my RB like or I I, I rank him as like my RB twenty, but I'm drafting him pretty much right now as if he's like RB thirty. So like a, a ten a ten spot drop, I could do far worse. I could do far worse than that. So, all right, let's go ahead and move on to these wide receivers. We're running over time a little bit here, so let's let's go through this, John. Let's go through these top twelve rankings for us right here. It's always my fault. I like talking football too much. <laughs> no, I got you, John. I got you, man. <laughs> I bring it. I bring the slow down. So top twelve. We'll start again at the back end. Milton Wright. I get it. He suspended Atkinson. Well, from what we can read, they never actually said he suspended it. I don't think it's like, you know, it, it's got to be grades in the classroom. He hasn't earned the credits or something a young man does. We know what young college men do, you know. And so he's not on the field. So I understand there's massive risk right now. But in the Purdue offense with Jeff Brom, 
I'm I, 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 I'm keeping eyes wide in on him. He's tied at number 12. But, yes, I could see him falling now that he's not on the spring practice field. I heard you guys. Actually, I jumped on my wife just before my wife came to talk to me for dinner. Quentin Johnson. Man, look it. It's gold there. The upside is too good not to take him. He's also tied with Wright. I would probably take Johnson over Wright right at this moment if both of them were on the board. Because, I mean, from what I can tell, we don't have any academic challenges with Johnson. So I love him there. Wright could be a value. You know, if he's your fifth, if he falls, he could be a fifth wide receiver. I'll take it in the Purdue offense. But that's a different story for a different day. We have to watch his progress. Systems, systems, systems. I'm getting a player on Texas Tech. I don't care. You know why? Zach Kitley. I don't care. I'm getting one, if not two, Texas Tech wide receiver. We just saw what Jared Stearns and um, Tinsley did last year for Western Kentucky. Miles Price, Miles Price, Miles Price. The ceiling is so incredibly high. You have to smash the button in that system. If it clicks, if it clicks, I'm going for it all day. He's number 11. Hey, I think I'm going to end up with a lot of Marvin Harrison Jr. Because I want a piece of the Ohio State offense. And if you don't have the top five picks, you're not getting the big three. You're, just, you're, just, you're not getting the big three. So give me Marvin Harrison Jr. at number 10. And you might not even get him soon in the late second, early third of the way people are talking about Ohio State. Marvin Josh Harrison Downs. Jr. is currently going in the late third round. Oh, my God. I'll take that every day. Every day. Josh Downs is interesting. The talent is spectacular. But he had a junior quarterback who's now in the NFL draft. What is going to happen? And I've seen this for receivers. And I'm going to say the same thing with another receiver later. You switch an NFL-level talent quarterback and you bring in a new quarterback. There's risk there with Josh Downs. Because we just don't know for sure how productive and efficient that North Carolina passing game is going to be. So I have a little concerns, but he's a number nine there. Jermaine Burton. Ooh, people are really bullish. They're bullish, but it's Alabama. We know Jared, I know. Jared lost his man, but he's going to Alabama. We love him at number eight, the transfer wide receiver. One of my personal favorites. I just love watching him play. Nathaniel Della, Houston. Just a great wide receiver. Question NFL potential, but in that Cougars offense, absolutely love him. He's number seven. Oh, I would love to have Hendon Hooker and Cedric Tillman together. It is one of my preeminent, you have to pay for it, but one of my preeminent wide receiver quarterback duos. I think the sky's the limit in hypo system for Tennessee this year. Love Tillman. He's number six. Ooh, ooh. I, I think if we did this right now, Ute falls tremendously. I think it was Nate. Um, he posted on Twitter that like a minute and a half segment interview with Brian Kelly. And Nate was like wolf or something. So I said, oh no, I got to watch this one. And I'm anyone who's listened to me, I'm not a Brian Kelly guy, but that's a different story. But I just saw that video and I said, oof, oof. oof. <laughs> this is not good. 
I don't know. I don't, I think he's going to fall tremendously. So he's number five, but I don't think you have, I mean, he's going to be a, a, a dart that you want for upside unless we hear better, but man, that was not a good video comments by Brian Kelly by any stretch. Jordan Addison. I love him. I think he's unbelievable. He's my number three Debbie wide receiver prospect. I think he's the least talk about superstar, but he is losing picket. And that's a problem. And I know Slovis is, you know, we can all have different opinions on Slovis. He should be able to get him the ball, but can Slovis stay on the field? Plus they change offensive coordinators, right? Mm -hmm. So there's risk with Jordan Addison here. I think the talent is unbelievable. I'm smashing Xavier Worthy everywhere I can all the time. I know some people don't love him. I don't get it. Sarkeesian's offense. He's all I know is every time I saw him, he's running by people. I'm, I'm not the biggest genius, but there are certain things you just watch film. And every time I see a guy blowing by other people, I'm like, ah, he seems pretty good. I mean, the numbers are there. The system's there. Love him. A.T. Perry. Oh, oh, my God. He was good last year. Number two on our board with Sam Hartman. He will be fed the rock. The targets are going to be there. Tons of them. And everyone's, oh, my God. Jackson, Smith, and Jigbu, what can you say? You're going to have to pay for him. Ah, another consensus. Look at that. Number 60. You know, it was someone I was listening to, and it wasn't one of the kind of group that I normally listen to. And someone said, oh, you got to try to stack C.J. Stroud and Jackson, Smith, and Jigbu. I'm like, have you done a draft? It's impossible to stack. You, you, you can't stack them too. Like it, 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 you can't do it. They're going back to back, right? Aren't they basically in the top four? Like you can't stack them. So that's a different story for another day. This is the first year I've ever done CFF where there's not a consensus number one, like player. There's a consensus number one T. Like it's going to be some order of Travion Henderson, CJ Shroud, JSN. Those are your top three guys. I think they're going to go in the top four in every league by August. Probably. All right, Chris, I think you're the first, you're the only one who hasn't started off us with your top or your guy that's too low guy that's too high in these rankings. Who do you got for us? Okay, man, do I I really want to do it again? Yeah, I'm going to do it again. (laughs) I, I have Matt Kippenhammer, the wide receiver to Miami, Ohio 12 and as far as I can tell, I'm the only person that I know that has some of the top 30 of wide receivers across all rankings. I think that he is going to have a tremendous season this year with the departure of Jack Sorensen. He was second in the country last season in air yards behind Devin Tompkins. He of the top 15, top 10 in air yards, all of them finished top 28, but hip and hammer. And six of nine finished top 15. He's due for massive positive regression because that is an offense that passes at the 22nd highest rate. And Brett Gabbert, the quarterback, passes uh, 20 plus yards downfield at the sixth highest rate of 110 quarterbacks last season. There's not target competition for an offense that wants to throw for a player whose eight out was 19. He's going to smash wherever he's going in my opinion and he's a guy that i i have top 12 like i just i had to get him there because i think that i'm going to be way higher than consensus i love hip and hammer one 
and I don't know if I, he's too high, but I'm way more inclined to take the secondary options. And that's Miles Price. I like Miles Price. I think Miles Price is probably a good wide receiver. I think that he's probably the odds on favorite to be the wide receiver one at Texas Tech. But I like the secondary options too. Um, oh, yeah. Right. Loic Fungi is a crazy athlete, and he's the guy that I want. He runs like a 442 at 6'4, 215, 220. Incredible athlete. Um, doesn't quite fit the Kitley scheme, but I trust that Kitley enough as an offensive mind to be able to build around him if he thinks he's a good wide receiver. They've tapped him as a breakout. I really like him. I also really think that JJ Sparkman and Jaron Branley, who are built similarly, but not quite as quite as athletic, can do something. So I'm fading price to get secondary options that often. So I don't, I still think that he's a fine pick there. I'm just going elsewhere. All right. I'm going to go second here. Talk about my guys here. Uh, so one person I'm down on compared to everybody else is ironically, Josh Downs. Um, John, no! you, you, you mentioned, you mentioned it earlier in the fact that we're going for Sam Howell, Drake may. I do like Drake may don't get me wrong, yes. but there is going to be some risks there. And I think him being taken in the top 12 is a little rich for me. The other thing is, I've just been hearing some stuff from behind the scenes. And Chris, I've, I've told you about this rumor already. I'm not going to say it on the show until it's like something that's actually happening. John, I could, I could text you about it afterwards. Um, but if, there, <laughs> if something comes to pass, people who are drafting downs in this top 12 range are going to be kicking themselves. They're going to be kicking themselves all the way to the season. So that's why I'm just off of downs. I have not drafted him in a single league this year. And honestly, even if he fell even further than this, I would not be taking him. Uh, now, if he, again, if, if, uh, he, if, if, all, if everything goes like it's supposed to and he's at UNC and everything, that's great. That's fine. Um, he, he's probably going to do very well there. But again, I've just been hearing some things behind the scenes. Now, somebody who I think should be in the top 12 and people aren't talking about enough, and I think it's a little bit of a post-hype sleeper thing going on here. Dante Wright. Dante Wright at Colorado State. Last year, John, I know you were really, really high on Dante Wright. I was last year. And unfortunately for Dante Wright, if I can pull up my stats here real quick, he finished as... Oh, no, that's Dante Cephas, my bad. Uh, he finished as the wide receiver 170th in the country. Very disappointing season last year for Dante Wright. A lot of people got burned on that one. But again, I don't know what people expected with the Steve Odazio offense that's run heavy. Here's the thing, though. Jay Norvell's coming to town. He is bringing Clay Millen. He is bringing his entire offensive system with him. And already we are hearing out of reports out of camp that Dante Wright is not going to be overtaken by these guys that he's bringing in. He recognizes Dante Wright is probably the most talented receiver there. Give me a talented receiver like Dante Wright. Put him in an offense that um, produced guys like Dom Romeo Dubs last year. Heck yes. Give it to me. I love it. I think Dante Wright, this is like, he is a steal that you can get right now because people were burned by him last year. It's a much better system for him this year. I like Dante Wright in the top 12. So, John, who are, you, who are you too low and who are you too high on? So, first, um, I'm putting together an article called Third Down, and I'm doing a list of top fives. And one of the lists is quarterback-wide receiver combo in best ball. I love those. And I'm going to be way too in on Maryland. I'm sorry. 
That offense finished in the top, I think it's top 12 last year. They had over 300 passing yards per game. They're not very good. They're in a defensively challenged conference. I see a lot of high scoring. <laughs> I see a big, lot of high scoring. Defensively oh, challenged. Oh, I'm sorry. I was thinking, oh, I'm still thinking they're in the AC. Okay. You're right. Okay. Okay. The game script. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Old man brain fart. Um, so I still think they're going to throw the ball a ton. I like Rakeem Jarrett. And I believe um, – uh, uh, what is it? Who's the other gentleman? Uh, why can't I remember? Uh, Dante Demas. He's not playing, correct? I've heard that he's not in, he's not spring, in spring practice. He he's not cleared for like ramp up activity yet either. Like he's still recovering from a really serious injury. So that's you know I want him back. Trust me for just the overall offensive standpoint. But Rakeem Jarrett was a top recruit. We were all surprised at Jarrett went to Maryland, right? I think that was a little shocking for most of us who watch these high school recruits. I think he could have gone to most schools of his choice. He had 62 receptions for 829 yards. Same offense, same head coach, same quarterback. I mean, this is the type of player that thrives when you have a perfect storm of experience, scheme, and quarterbacking all come together and if Demas is out, I even think the uptick in targets were there. So I like him a ton. And I would say I'm very worried about Josh Downs. Uh, we'll find, but it's only because of the quarterback. And I like the young man North Carolina brought in, but you just never know with the true freshman. And, and this isn't Texas. He's not surrounded by Xavier Worthy and B. John Robinson with a, you know, so I think there's so much more risk here. And if you, in my opinion, if you watch North Carolina at the end, there were teams that were starting to scheme downs out of the offense because they literally had no other offensive weapons. Basically, you saw a lot of press coverage, some umbrella coverage, force Sam Howell to go elsewhere with the ball. Well, what if they do that to him again with an inexperienced quarterback? I think there's challenges there with Josh Downs. I don't think I'm going to have Barry unless he, he falls to a value. Yeah, I'm, try- I'm trying to look up real quick like what his finishes were last season. Yeah, so let's look at the last five, four games for uh, Josh Downs. Finished as the wide receiver 134, wide receiver 68, wide receiver 82, wide receiver 83. Those were his finishes the last four games of last year. I think you were 100% right, John. That's when they started scheming him out of the game. And I think it's going to even be worse with an uh, inexperienced quarterback there. Yeah, I'm. Yes, I mean, it became obviously well, obvious that they just said, "You're not beating us, Mister Downs," <laughs> and they didn't have anywhere else to go. I'm gonna throw one one guy out here, and Chris, you're probably gonna kick me because you probably want to meet you. We probably want to keep this man on the download, but I want to just throw a name out there. I don't think enough people are talking about. Uh-oh. Uh oh. We're talking about like a, not a lot of people have dived into this team because they're new uh, to the FBS, but Chris Thornton. The sort of James Madison. Give like, him away. I'm, I want people give to start talking. Away. Give this man the respect he deserves, Chris. You know he deserves more respect than he's getting right now. He deserves he, more recognition. He was, if you read the article on fan tracks that John posted, he was, in fact, my sleeper. Okay, we oh. all gave a sleeper. He was my sleeper. So, I, you know, it's out there for the people. Jared, Jared's right. Jared's right. We got to let the people know. Chris Thornton is the one to watch. 
1,300 yards last year, and he was the wide receiver two for James Madison. They have a system there ready to produce with them. And like I said, the other receiver, I forget his name off the top of my head, but he's gone. Antoine Wells. Oh, and no, Antoine. Carolina I'm transferred. Yeah, he, he's transferred. Transferred over to South Carolina. So Chris Thorne has all of this opportunity there as well. He could be an absolute smash for a team that nobody's talking about because half the people who play college fantasy football don't even know that they're eligible. Alrighty, let's go ahead and hit up this last slide here, hitting a lot of different things here. John, we'll take this one by one real quick, and we'll try to make these a little bit shorter, but let's talk tight ends first. Who are our top five tight ends? Well, so number five is Marshawn Ford, and some people didn't have him in their rankings. I happen to like him, and it's basically because of his quarterback. I mean, it's just, I'm banking on Malik Cunningham there, but he's number five. Benjamin Yorsek, is that how you pronounce it? Yorsek from Stanford? I just say Yorsek. Yorsek, okay. So he's our, that's probably of scheme and system. Stanford's been very productive with their tight ends. And he popped last year at the end. He looked pretty nice. Um, Zach Kuntz, Old Dominion, very interesting player. Love a type of player like that, you know. Group of five tight end. The targets should be there, similar to Isaiah likely last year at, um, you know, Coastal Carolina. And then the top two everywhere. Michael Meyer, Notre Dame, Brock Bowers, Georgia, probably first-round draft picks, Debbie Darlings. The play, both of them are just unbelievable. I can't wax poetically enough about the upside of these two young men. So those are the top five tight ends. All righty. I think it's been a minute since I've, I've, I've gone first on this, so I'll go ahead and just throw my guy in here that I have in the top five that uh, that isn't in the consensus. Michael Trigg. Things are just lining up too well for him over there at Ole Miss. Lane Kiffin has been very, very productive with the tight end in the past. He's going there with, very clearly, said he's a package deal with Jackson Dart. I have to imagine that Jackson Dart is going to favor him in the passing game, especially when you have guys like Braylon Sanders gone, Dontario Drummond gone, some opportunity opening up there. Like I said, Kiffin has shown that he can utilize the tight end really well in the past, and none of them have really have been as talented as Michael Trigg was. So I expect them to use him very, very well. Um, it's part of the reason why, again, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of Zach Evans because I think there's better weapons on that team than just Zach Evans. So I think Michael Trigg's going to have a great year for Ole Miss this upcoming year. Uh, in terms of a guy that I think is too high here, my, my top four is the same, and I'm nitpicking when I say that I have Marshawn Ford outside of my top my top five. I haven't tied him seven. So it's like, I just don't see the upside as much with Ford. Um, but again, like again, I'm nitpicking. I have him at tight end seven. So it's like, I'm not that much lower on everybody else compared to here. John, we'll go with you next. Oh, tight ends. I mean, I have Ford at number three, and it's basically because I'm banking on the quarterback. I like Malik Cunningham. We had, we had discussed it a little bit. What if he has an uptick in passing touchdowns? Well, where are they likely to come, think, come from? I think Ford is as likely to be the beneficiary of that uptick as any other wide receiver in a Cardinals uniform. So I'm willing to take the ceiling there. Sometimes I rank players by ceiling, and Marshawn Ford is one of those guys this year that I'm ranking at his ceiling. And I'm not doing this because we have a graduate with a, a logo behind you. And I know there's an injury risk, but I like Jaheim Bell, South Carolina. The athleticism is so good. The bowl game he played in, you saw the speed. He ran away from people. And he's got Rattler. 
I'm, you know, I'm actually now convinced Rattler's a value, but we can have a discussion at some other point. I can't believe how low he's going for the upside with his legs. I mean, we were talking about legs. So I like Jaheen Bell. If Rattler hits and Bell is healthy, I think you have a very good player there. Yeah, I, I've gone back and forth on Jaheen Bell. I don't really like the tra- transfer of Austin Stogner in. Like, I really just wonder what that's going to do for the tight end room. But he's just so athletic that they're going to get him the ball. Don't you have lot. to get him on the field, my friend? Yeah. Like, so they've, they've said that they want to line him up in the backfield and give him carries. This, I mean, dude, this, dude's, this dude's like six, like, this dude's like 6'3", 225. Like, he, he's, uh, like, I really, I really like him. He's just a good player. Yes, um, get him the ball. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so... I'm going to do two players who aren't on this list because the top five is my top five and there's very little pickiness. I really like Marshawn Ford as well, John. I think that um, with Jordan Watkins transferring out, the only real competition is like Amari Huggins, Bruce. And I like Bruce, but um, <laughs> Tyler type- Harrell, I'm telling y'all. Um, <laughs> Tyler Harrell Tyler fine. But Ford is the type of player that Cunningham relies on giving his passing style. So I, I, I think that the ceiling for him this year is, is pretty high. Player that I think should be borderline top five if he isn't already is joshua simon the tight end at western kentucky i think he's an excellent player we saw him only in one game last year where he got hurt but man was he good he had 24 fantasy points in that one game i think he would have been a huge part of that offense and the offense isn't going to change that much they're just promoting i believe the passing game coordinator to offensive coordinator um you know kitley is obviously gone but it's still the same idea he was with him with at houston baptist it's still going to be very similar. And they really like Joshua Simon here. Like they are really fascinated with his potential. Um, you know, Hannah Page, who works with us, Cam Skaten, she's all in on Joshua Simon. She she is a Western, Western Kentucky insider. I think he's a lot of potential. He's going really late. I got him round 21 of a best ball recently. Oh, that's gold. Yeah, oh. way, way, way too late for him. Yeah. One guy that I will say I think is going too high, I'll, I'll give two. One is Cameron Latu. I don't see his upside being top five. I know Jared really likes him, um, but I don't think the office is going to be that different. And I just, I, I'm not, I'm just not sure about him. Um, and then the other one, it, it hurts me to say this, but I'm not really, mm, I'm, I wanted to say Jaheim Bell, but like, he's just so athletic that you talked to me into it. <laughs> John, he like, so I, he's, he's, he's not joking john when he says he's gone back and forth i've been in the <laughs> slack okay i've seen this man like have a jekyll and hyde moment yeah. with like jaheem bell all right i'm just gonna i'm just gonna keep it to cameron latu and then one other guy that i think should be in the top borderline top six ryan jones the tight end at east carolina big opportunity there oh um, yeah I, I, I'm really excited about him, and I, I need to. I have him at 12 right now. I'm going to be moving him up to probably six or seven. He's Ryan, really Ryan Jones has not been drafted in a single one of the drafts that I've run so far. Meanwhile, guy, guys like Darnell Washington out of Georgia, guys, I love Darnell, but like y'all, he's going to be like the third tight end of Georgia this year. Kamari, Kamari Morales out of North Carolina, please. Um, Can I add something actually, real quick on this? Go ahead. I am pro team tight end one early. Like I have, <laughs> I have personally drafted Brock Bowers in the second round of multiple mocks this year. You have- I will, I will do it. And I think this is the perfect year to do it because there's a lot of question marks after I think the top three or four 
and you're getting such an advantage of the position. And I don't think anybody else has that upside. I think Joshua Simon has somebody is somebody who may capture that upside, Ryan Jones, but outside of that, it's, it's pretty tough. So I think this is a year where I am willing to take a tight end early. And my, my preferred uh, option is, is Bowers. So I think he's going to smash again this year. All righty. Let's go ahead and move on to these transfers and everything. So John, we'll take us through these top five transfers. We'll go through the transfers, and I think we've actually discussed every one of these. I, would say, I think we've hit every single one of these. Yeah, so number five is Jackson Dart, and there are people uncomfortable. They haven't seen it. They worry about Kiffin's system. There's a lot of different perspectives on Mississippi this year, which I'm kind of surprised because I'm a believer in Kiffin. I think he will work it out by the end of the season. Jermaine Burton, number four, we talked about him um, going from Georgia to Alabama. Looks like the number one receiver in that offense, which has been gold for the last four or five years. So that his ceiling's very high. Quinn Ewers out of Texas. Everyone knows how much I like him after listening to this show today. Jameer Gibbs, I mean, can you believe Alabama? The two that they got a running back and a wide receiver who could be studs in the transfer portal. And then Caleb Williams was the number one in the group, the former Oklahoma quarterback, following his coach, Lincoln Riley, to USC. Yeah, I think the fact that we've already talked about each one of these guys just shows you what kind of era of college football we're in. Oh, yeah. It's a a whole new game. You have to keep up with the transfer portal. And this is the big reason why I'm going to start a weekly article over at Campus of Canton going through just any possible people who enter or exit the transfer portal, even if they're not people who are going to be like studs for you and CFF or anything, they're going to affect somebody else's value. Like I talked about Jameis Griffin this past week, um, them just adding him from uh, Georgia Tech over at Oregon State. I'm just like, well, this is like, a lot of us are big on Damian Martinez as a freshman this year. We were hoping he would get carries early, but just them adding another body into that room is going to impact him. Uh, Ulysses Bentley. I'm not drafting Ulysses Bentley in any um, any leagues. I think he's going to be good for Ole Miss, but I don't think he's going to be somebody I'm going to want on my roster. Uh, but he instantly impacted Zach Evans' value for me. Uh, I didn't touch on this earlier when I talked to Zach Evans, but like I was already skeptical of Zach Evans at Ole Miss. Like I figured they were just going to force a committee there. Them getting Bentley only confirmed it. I got his Evans down to like running back 36 now. I'm not touching Evans. I'm, I'm not. I'm not going. I'm not touching him. But even so, you like, know what's interesting? You know what? We're, no one's doing. And, I, and this is just a thought I had about a, two weeks ago. We love all the players for college fantasy. Where are the offensive linemen going in the transfer portal? Because I think this is an underlooked. In the past, when a team lost three seniors, maybe or graduates or pro prospect, right? You'd be. I would be very weary the next year with the turnover at the offensive line. You could lose three offensive linemen and you could acquire two in the portal and then have a sophomore who steps in. So I think it's a very, someone needs to do this and I wish I had more time, but I think the offensive line is a transfer portal gold that I don't see people talking about. I think that's an, I, I think that's an excellent thought because I know – Chris, I know you dive into the O-lines all the time. You bring it up on the show pretty much every time I uh, have you on. You're very quick to talk about like, oh, they lost this running, or they lost this uh, center, or they lost this uh, guard, or they lost uh, this, uh, their two right tackles, or two right tackles, what am I saying? They lost both of their tackles to the draft or something like that. Like, you're very quick to pick up on that. 
Definitely yeah, think somebody really, we have to someone to keep an eye on. It's really important to me. Um, offensive line consistency year over year makes a yes. huge impact in college. Oh, yeah. So it's definitely, and it's one of the reasons why I'm lower on Drill Brock. Speak bringing it. Oh, because the offensive right? line all comes they, around. Yeah, it all comes around, right? Um, exactly. So yeah, I think I think it is a very underdiscussed thing. I totally agree with you, John. All righty, John, get us started on the conversation around the freshmen for this year. So a little, little tidbit for our dynasty players who, uh, who have stuck around this long. So, John, give us our top five freshmen and let me know what you think of them. And one thing we, you have to be aware of as a CFF player, we talked about willing to play quarterbacks you haven't seen perform. College, high, freshmen coming from high school are ready for the NFL. I mean, sorry, for college football. You've got to get used to the idea – that freshmen are going to smash in college fantasy football and there's value here. So top five. Now, number five is because of one person and I bet you everyone knows who put him at the top of their rankings. My <laughs> good friend from CFF insiders, Kate Klubnik, the quarterback. He thinks he's going to win the job. That's the only thing I could surmise that he had him at the top of his board. He got his five points and he ended up as number five freshman prospect so that's if you believe that he's going to win the job at clemson he's number five andre green north carolina it's interesting we've talked about north carolina their wide receivers i think green gets up in there i'm high on him too because i think opportunities there there's opportunity for that young man to get targets this year this year for the tar heels the problem is will the quarterback be successful enough to pepper him with good targets. So that's there's risk there. Ramon Brown, USC, which real, is fascinating. Real quick, John. Uh, oh, so, is that Maryland? Yeah, I say Ramon Brown goes oh, to Maryland. Sorry. Relique Brown is going to USC. So which one are we You're talking right. about here? Sorry, Maryland, okay. my fault. The Maryland running back. And I think that's because Penny Boone went over to Toledo, who that's something we could talk about. I've been looking at Penny Boone. Um, but Ramon Brown at Maryland, he's he's got a really good opportunity. Everyone's been talking about Luther Burden all of a sudden on Twitter. The Missouri highlights from the spring game, all that. He looks like he could, I mean, dare I say, a Rondell Moore type of season as a freshman. I mean, it could be scary, the touches that he gets there. And then everyone's darling. I think he's kind of consensus. Nicholas Singleton, I think the question is, how soon does he take over the backfield? Penn State, we've all wanted a running back since Jorney Brown, unfortunate, and I hope he's healthy and okay, but they just have not had success, the Nittany Lions. Is Nicholas Singleton, who's an unbelievable prospect, is he going to capture that backfield and get the touches, and how soon? I God, I love, I love Singleton. I, so I, I. I was I was a 102 in, in the dynasty in the dynasty league that I'm in. I traded for the 101. Did you really? I traded for the 101 because I'm that certain about Nicholas Singleton mashing, and so I I I, I made the move. I traded away a fourth round pick to do it. Um, I had two fourth round picks uh, just from other trades and stuff like that. So I traded away one of my fourth round picks. I think it was with Mitch. I traded him. I traded it to Mitch, and I'm like, I want that 101 because uh, good God, I love Singletary. Um, I'll throw a name or two out here that I think more people need to be talking about just from a CFF Dynasty perspective. Uh, we talked about it. I, de- or I know Brandon's brought him up. I think it was on his first episode, but Matthew Golden 
uh, four-star wide receiver going to Houston. Dude could be the wide receiver two his freshman year behind Nathaniel Dell, and then instantly becomes that next man up at Houston in a Dana Holgerson offense, which absolutely smashes every single time. So I think that's somebody that people need to be talking about a little bit more. I have Devin Brown for Ohio State as my QB1 in this freshman class in terms of CFF Dynasty, because I'm willing to wait a year or two because I know that when he's, once he starts for Ohio State, that system is going to carry him. He's going to absolutely be incredible for you. So I'm willing to, t- I'm like, he has almost like a guaranteed upside. It's just a question of how long do I have to wait for him? And I'm okay with waiting on him a year or two because I know as soon as I get him on the field, he's going to be awesome. Chris, you got any uh, freshmen you want to add into this list? Yeah. So one that I had, I actually do that I don't think anybody else had. One is Rayshon Luke. Uh, he is a incoming freshman at Arizona. And I like the way that this Arizona team is trending. They brought in Jake Delora. They brought in Jacob Cowing. I actually like um, Dorian Singer, who's an outside wide receiver there as well. I think this offense is going to be better. Uh, Rayshon Luke is an elite wide receiver. His nickname is Speedy. Like, he is a fast <laughs> player. Like, this this dude could play. He's small. Don't get me wrong. Like he, he I think he's like 170, if that, maybe like 175 on a good day. Um, but I think he could be a really productive player. At, a, at that level for your college team. And I haven't seen a lot of people talking about him all that much. Um, and then the other player that I, like, I, I've definitely come around on him is Barry and Brown. And he's a four-star wide receiver heading to Kentucky. He's really, really interesting. I know uh, at Camp Scanton that we really, really like him. Um, he has a 10 4 900 meter, which is like elite speed. That's um, a Luke almost, right? Yeah, like, yeah. He, he's, he's incredible. And he hits home run plays consistently. And that offense is looking for somebody. They did bring in Tavian Robinson, but I wouldn't be surprised if Barry and Brown got run week one. Like he, he's a really, really impressive. Like he, he's raw, but he's really impressive athletically and a super dynamic receiver. Like I think he could get on the field as early as week one. Chris, I'm kind of surprised you didn't bring up your boy out west. I've already, I've already, I've already spoiled one of your sleepers, so I'm not going to spoil this other one. You can bring him up if you want, but I'm surprised you didn't bring up your boy out west uh, that you like so much. Wait, which boy do I like out west? Uh, your blue boy. Oh yeah, Ash and Gene T. Yeah, yeah, Ash and Gene T. Is somebody that I probably would have put on the list if it was graded now. He's a uh, three-star running back heading to Boise State, who's been playing the running back position for two years and I believe in had 800 receiving yards both of his last two years at was in high school and was the best Texas running back in his senior year he's a good player like he's he's someone that I am very in on and a very very thin RB depth at Boise State a system that has produced very very good running backs for us in CFF over the last couple of years so I think that's another name people should be absolutely talking about Alrighty, I believe. Oh, can oh, I just what? give two quick ones? Yeah, go right. Oh, I'm sorry. No. No, I totally skipped over you. My bad, man. I, I'm kind, of, and and maybe I'm silly, but I'm following. I like Antonio Williams more and more. I watch these Clemson spring practices, and he does a little bit fit the mold of what Dabo Sweeney has had success in. And if you look back, T. Higgins was an instant impact, and not T. Higgins. Um. Justin Ross was an instant impact as a freshman. And I don't like the upperclassmen at Clemson. 
So I think even though I know the offense looked terrible last year, and I get it, and I get there's challenges, but you can get him so late in like a Debbie or, or uh, cons- all things are equal. I think he's a value because I can't give up on Dabo Sweeney and Clemson in one year. I just can't do it. He, the track record is too long, too good. So I'm very interested. And over under, Drew Alar starts week two or three for Penn State. Because I'm all in. <laughs> I, uh, let I, me look at the schedule real quick. Yeah, <laughs> let me look at I think the week six is the, or week five is the matchup that is their toughest. But before that, I think it's pretty easy sledding. So I'm going to go over. Yeah. I think he gets the job by like week six. They face Purdue, Ohio. Auburn could be interesting. Um, they face Auburn. I don't oh, expect like Auburn to be a very good team Clifford this year. Versus Auburn. Um, then they got Central Michigan, Northwestern. Yeah, Michigan. I, I think that's weeks. Yeah, it's week six. I agree okay. with I agree with Chris. That's that's the over under right there. So wait, you either play them against Central Michigan and get them ready for Michigan, or you keep them on the bench until after Michigan. I think you. I think you wait for his confidence but i wouldn't be surprised because i don't think anybody likes sean clifford i mean where are you going with sean clifford where's the program going with him that's why i mean you're yeah here no you're right absolutely you're not you're not wrong you are not wrong (laughs) we should have colin on here right now he'd give us our thoughts or he'd give us (laughs) the thoughts all righty so i believe now that brings us to the end of this show john like I said, always an honor to have you on, man. You're absolutely incredible with what you do. I'm really glad that you chose us to like kind of promote your first down rankings here. Go check out John's second down rankings. He just put those out. That get, I believe you, that's your top 25 at each position, John. Actually, it goes up to 80 wide receivers and running backs and 60 quarterbacks. Oh, wow. Just going out there. Love it. Love it. <laughs> and so. and I, Jared and I had texted each other. And I said, boy, when you get to wide receiver 60, it's, it gets a little tough down there. <laughs> but, yeah, I did. I got 80 up there for you. Yeah. I love, um, so, yeah, it just came out. Yeah, I love, the, I love the depth of the wide receiver position this year. But in terms of, like, choosing who to rank over who, it definitely oh. gets a little rough um, there. And, Chris, wonderful to have you on as well, man. I really appreciate you pulling double duty with me today uh to do this chris we have we have been recording for it looks like yeah we started at three so we've been recording for four hours straight so this has been a fun fun time plenty of content for you guys to listen to this week uh i'm gonna go sleep for three years Uh, (laughs) 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 i really appreciate everybody who is tuning in here it looks like we're actually getting our most traffic right here near the end so if you missed out on the beginning of this stream please go back and watch the rest of this fantastic fantastic stuff here with john and chris today guys absolutely check it out and like i said both of you appreciate you coming on Uh, like i said check out john's rankings check out his third down rankings when they come that sounds like a really interesting article chris i'm I'm doing this backwards dang it chris over here now (laughs) chris you have um you have a ton of great stuff always check out always be checking the campus website for chris's articles he um you never know what you're going to get from Chris, but you always will know that the articles that he's going to write are interesting and will help you in every type of your leagues. He is very good at making sure you can get across all different types of leagues, whether it be C2C, Devi, CFF, all that great jazz. So appreciate you guys tuning in. Corey, I see you in the chat. Appreciate it, man. Everybody else, have a wonderful, wonderful week.